Um, so it's a blessing to be able to lean upon uh, people when I'm out of town. <laughs> so this last week while I was uh, in a different state, it was a huge blessing to have faithful people, again, just to step up and run the church for worship, for uh, my wife and Dana and Stacy, for Tim being able to share from the scriptures, and it was just awesome. I was, I was watching the live stream, actually, in New Mexico. I was at a bookstore, and I was just like watching it, and people were like, what's that sound? But I was watching it on my phone as I was walking around, so it actually made me, I don't get that emotional, but it kind of made me emotional. I'm like, thank you, Lord, you know, you people are stepping up. Um, I was so overly blessed by the fact I can go out of town, and the Lord uses the gifts of others in the church to continue on. I, I just love it. So thank you guys for all stepping up, all of you guys. And I'm, I'm excited about this next season as a church because really God is making it clear to me that he's raising people up to use their gift within the church even to a, a larger extent. And uh, it's what it's all about. So God's really doing a work, and it's, it's just a blessing to be a part of it. Uh, God works it all out, right, all the time. And we would all benefit from just trusting God when we're not fully clear about what he's doing, right? Instead of being overwhelmed, stressed, and even disagreeable towards the way in which the Lord is working in our lives, just trust him. But what we've been seeing in the lives of the children of Israel is that they were, they were fine and obedient for a time, for about 11 months, as they were at the base of Mount Sinai. And now they would get up and go towards Moab, towards the promised land. And now being on the move, it caused complaining to start up. It caused grumbling and murmuring to start up. They scouted out, remember, the promised land for 40 days, which God never officially said to do. It was actually the children of Israel's idea and Moses went along with it. He said, that sounds good. Let's spy it out. Ten spies, remember, gave the report based on the obstacles that they would face. And so they said, yeah, let's not go into that land at this time. They were kind of scared. They were fearful. It's kind of sketchy over there. Let's, let's stay in the desert for a while. You know, there's too many obstacles. There's too many enemies. Yet one brave soul, you remember, stood up <laughs> in faith. And here's what, what Caleb said. He said, Let's go at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Love that. Confidence in the Creator is key. Caleb stood up and was, he was bold in totally going against the Ten's report. One person with faith can accomplish so much for the kingdom of heaven. And so in this next chapter, we're going to see another man join Caleb in voicing the promises of God and the assurance that the Lord was leading the whole nation. That second man would be Joshua, right? So what we're going to see in chapter 14, as we're going to spend a few Wednesdays looking at this amazing pivotal chapter, we're going to see that the majority of the people had unbelief, they had fear, they had doubt, they had disagreements against going into this land that God promised. And only a few, only a few had faith to go in and trust God and take the land, like he had already promised. And Jesus made it clear that, remember, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many pass through it. Narrow is the gate that leads to life, and only a few find it. Well, that's pretty narrow-minded. Well, it's the Lord's way, and so that's what we follow, right? But here's a practical example right here. The whole first generation would not make it into the promised land because of unbelief. And literally, only a few people from that first generation would make it. Why? Faith. Trusting in God's words. Believing his promises. Faith is really the ingredient that is the difference between life and death. It's the difference between eternal locations. Right? Faith is, is really, it's, it's the factor that gets us through life on earth and secures us a home in heaven. It's so amazing. So 
The title is God Leads, well, I have a couple titles, so I don't know what's up there, but God Leads, We Follow, or it's like Self-Led or God-Led. So just FYI, again, we've been at eight teachings to get to number four, Numbers 14, and that's really good for me. I'm going kind of fast comparatively compared to Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, but usually it takes me longer as we explore and unpack the chapters. But a couple months, and we're already halfway through uh, Numbers almost. So this chapter, we're really going to kind of like slow down and, and, and take a slow, because there's a lot. It is a pivotal chapter. It's a good chapter. Um, but it's also, you learn from others' mistakes, right? Because we see complaining, we see murmuring hearts of the Israelites, and we see this quarrel between, between God and Israel. For their unbelief, God's wrath actually starts to be kindled. So let's pray, and then we'll get into chapter 14 of Numbers tonight. Well, Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for this time to gather together. Lord, to, to worship you, God, to respond to who you are, Lord, and now to really hear from you through your word, Lord. These words are for Israel um, long ago, but they are so relevant to us today just because your word is living and active. It speaks to us. We get that, that rhema word, that personal word that you have for each one of us, and we just thank you, Lord, that you speak through your love letter to us. God, from Genesis to Revelation, we just pray that you would meet us right now where we're at in our life circumstances, God, even as we go through Numbers 14. In Jesus' name, amen. So verse 1 of chapter 14 says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept at night. Let's stop right there. Like we're, so remember, the children of Israel, they were given two reports from the 12 spies that were sent out to spy out the land. Ten were uh, fearful, and they said, let's not go back there. Two were faithful and believed God's promises. They said, let's go. You know, the rally cry for the young adults in New Mexico going through that discipleship program, uh, this is the second year that I was able to go and, and teach all week to these young adults, 18 to 23, but they're always just like, let's go. That, that was like their rally cry to like get pumped up, like that we're going to go pass out tracks, we're going to go pray for people, let's go. They were just excited. And so every day, all throughout the day, it was just like, let's go. There's this excitement for the things of God. And I think a lot of the time, we, we lose that. We lose the excitement. We're just like, it's just something I do. It becomes cultural rather than being passionate about the Lord. It becomes, yeah, I go to church, I go to school, I go to work, I do family, whatever. Like, but it's like we should be excited and expectant for what God's going to do because he's moving, he's alive, he's, it's amazing. But they said, let's stay. <laughs> they didn't say, let's go, right? Most of the children of Israel, they're like, no, let's not go. Let's stay. Not, let's not go into a scary land. Christianity isn't a play-it-safe faith, right? It's not a play-it-safe faith. Now, for those who are not doing anything, yes, it is, because they're not doing anything. But what the people did is that they cried, they wept, they lamented, and the next day, they harshly criticized Moses and Aaron. So the crowd wept because they believed the ten and didn't think they had hope of entering or occupying the land. Mourning here means filled with resentment towards God. That's what mourning means, blaming him for their issues. And it was mourning or, or the woe is me attitude that led to unbelief and fear. It was a lack of hope and faith. I mean, think about this. Like Israel had been a year free out of Egypt on the brink of entering into their inheritance that was Canaan. They were led by God's presence, and so it seemed it was all good. Like, it's all good. What do we have to fret about? What do we have to fear about? God had clearly invited them to take the land, and they rebelled through mourning and unbelief. 
And remember, the 12 spies were the leaders from every one of the 12 tribes. So they, they really represented Israel as a nation. So really, these 12 spies represented the whole na- nation. And majority ruled here in this case. Because the people, they were super discouraged. They were bummed that that sentiment spread throughout the crowd. They were just like, oh, they were downcast, you know. And that's the thing. Discouragement can easily spread if we're not careful. You know, like you ever been in a good place and then you hear something or maybe something on the news, right? I mean, usually the news makes us really happy and joyful, right? No, not at all. Usually it's like, oh, I don't want to, I'm going to turn that off. I'm going to stop looking at that. Like I'm getting off Twitter or whatever. Or something personal at work or like an immediate dis- discouragement, you know, emerges. Like I was just, I was in a good place. Car issues, money matters, family drama. How do we fight against such discouragement? Well, I love what uh, Warren Wearsby said. He said, the remedy for discouragement is the word of God. When you feel your heart and mind, when you f- I'm sorry, when you feed your heart and your mind with its truth, you regain your perspective and find renewed strength. So the promises of God, which are sure, are what we rest upon and believe to be true. And if the people would just simply believe what God said in the first place, they'd end up in the promised land, and not die out. It'd be a quick process, you know? Faith leads to life. But what happened? Well, all the people wept that night. They were all whining. They were crying. See, there was no hope. There was no faith. There was no confidence that the Lord's words were true. See, usually crying and mourning happens because of a loss. And um, it's kinda, it kind of reminded me of, oh, man, I, I took... so. We've had a lot of fish throughout the last, whatever, years, few years. And, uh, and when we first got them fish, probably a couple years ago, my kids, my daughters, um, I got them two tanks. Because, you know, when you have two kids, it's like if you get one, be like, well, which one's mine? It's like, so I just got them two. Okay, this one's yours and this one's yours. And so when Hannah's fish, and I think at the time she was like seven, it died. And, man, I, I almost cried when, I, when, when she, when she find, found out like her fish was dead. She was like crying, and she hugged me, and she was crying like the, the, the biggest loss. And up to that point, it was like the biggest loss of her life. She was just downcast, and she was mourning. And, and we did this whole thing where we went out back, and we, 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 we buried it and all that. And we even prayed at the gravesite of the fish, you know. And, but, um, but, man, I, I, it was just this emotional moment. I mean, it was such a, a, a loss. In this case, the loss here was faith. That was a loss. Right? See, the Lord equipped the people to take the land. He set them apart. They did have faith. You know, uh, they understood his law. They were obedient for a time, and then they rebelled. And then the opposite happened. One fact to know is that the Lord's way isn't always smooth. Have you realized that? <laughs> Most of us know the Lord's way isn't always smooth. Like, sometimes the Lord's way is actually, it looks more difficult than the world's way. It's like, man, if I just went out into the world and said, forget you, God, and did my own thing, it seems like it'd be easier, but we know how we're going to end up. Yes, doing godly things will bring pushback. It'll bring resistance. But still, we are called to walk by faith no matter how difficult it looks. Right? One pastor said, God never said that the journey would be easy, but he did say that the arrival would be worth it. Do we realize that fact? You know, let... Let's let this statement sink in. It says, God never said the journey would be easy. So, yeah, his yoke is easy. His burden is light, right? But the path may be rough. 
Usually it is. He never promised us that the road of salvation to heaven would be smooth without potholes or without bad weather. Some faith-based systems teach that. That's wrong. And sometimes it really seems like we are going through difficulty because we are actually following the Lord and being faithful. Like, I'm in this trial directly because I'm actually following God right now. The journey is sometimes rough, but the trials help us to trust God even more. Right? Like it's, it's better to follow the Lord fully, even though the road is tough, than not follow the Lord and realize we're completely in the dark. It's difficult to follow someone in the dark. You need a light to see in order to follow. So yes, the promises were given. They have nothing to do with, with things being easy, right? Was life easy for Abraham, for the prophets, disciples, for Jesus? Absolutely not. Almost all the disciples were killed for their faith. One committed suicide, right? Judas, right? Unbelief. And John survived. He was boiled in oil and then abandoned in Patmos, the, the island. But it, it wasn't easy. The road was tough. When we fully live for the Lord, there's going to be pushback, but it's so worth it. But I want to give you like a verse that I, I reiterated over and over to the young adults in New Mexico as we're just studying spiritual warfare. Because this verse has often built me my confidence in Christ and a reminder that I need to move forward in the faith no matter how bad things look. And the verse is very simple. For 1 John 4.4 4, says, You little children are from God and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So as the Lord's presence is with you and goes with you, you and I have nothing to fear. If I let fear dictate my decision-making based on what things look like from the outside, I would not be here right now. Me and my family would not be in this city. This church would not exist. Now, I didn't have self-confidence to plant the church. If that was the case, I wouldn't have left either. Uh, we trusted the Lord knowing he's faithful, knowing his promises are true. I, I just started 1 Corinthians with the youth this last Sunday, 1 Corinthians 1.9, and it clearly says, as we were singing, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. This, this truth has been a reminder for me since we started going through the book of Genesis on Wednesday nights here on Midweek Study. I've seen a clear running theme in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and now Numbers that God is faithful. God is faithful. Sometimes we just have to remind ourselves of those three words, three powerful words, God is faithful. And if I ever doubt it, I've surrounded myself with people and the word that will remind me he is faithful. If I'm going through a struggle, a brother in Christ will be like, hey, God's faithful, man. He's going to get you through. Hey, God's faithful. He's going to provide for you. Hey, God's faithful. He's, he's moving. He's working. We are all susceptible to lapses of faith, right? We are all. We're one decision away from living a backslidden life. And that's kind of sobering. It should be. Like, okay, Lord, I need to get serious about you. Christian life isn't like, now I'm saved, now I do nothing. Christian life is like, now I'm saved, now I'm set to work, right? Now I get to serve the Lord. But we're together in this fight for the faith. So it goes on in verse 2, and it says, And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? 
So the people in their fear and their unbelief direct their negative heightened emotions and anger towards the leaders, Moses and Aaron. But the next day, the whole congregation came against and criticized these two. So the people's complaint was against the Lord, but really they acted like it was a leader's fault. Moses was following the Lord. The people were following each other. It was this crowd mentality. They were all influencing each other in, in, in ungodly ways. So Joshua and Caleb knew, like the, verse 9 says, they said, only do not rebel against the Lord. Don't rebel against him. These two faithful men knew it was all about being obedient to the Lord. So the challenges for the children of Israel seemed so vast that they actually wanted to die instead of do what the Lord prescribed. And guess what the sad news would be? God would give them what they asked for. They would die in the desert, the place of desolation. The first generation would all die out in the wilderness, and jo- except for Joshua and Caleb. It was the second generation in the wilderness that would enter the promised land. So get this, though. The people actually accused the Lord of, of, of evil towards them. They said, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? They blamed God. They were irate towards the Lord. They were in deep rebellion. They masked their rebellion by acting all concerned, well, our wives and our children. But the source of their issues was discontentment. And the ironic thing was that it was these children of the adult Israelites that would actually go into and inherit the promised land because their parents lacked the faith and didn't walk in obedience. (laughs) And at this stressful point, the Israelites were murmuring, which they had done before. And I'm just going to kind of give you a, a summary of the complaining and the murmuring of the children of Israel so far. Number one, their murmuring began with the night of the Exodus when they were sure Pharaoh's army was going to defeat them in Exodus 14. Then, number two, as Israel entered the wilderness of Shur, they complained because they didn't have any water to drink. Then they murmured because they said they missed the great meals. We missed all the meals in Egypt, right, when we were in slavery. It's like their repeated lament and whining was actually summed up in the phrase, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. They repeated this phrase. We should have just died in Egypt. So at Rephidim, the people were ready to stone Moses because they had no water. At um, Tibetan, some of the some of the people whined, and they, they were actually killed by fire, complained. Soon after that, the mixed multitude incited the Jews to ask for, for meat to eat. And Moses became so discouraged, right, he wanted to die. He's like, oh, I just want to die. I don't want to deal with it. So what happens? These guys were longing for Egypt. Verse 4, so they said to one another, let us elect a leader and return to Egypt. They have reverted back to their slave mentality, and they began really distrusting God. And their masters were cruel. They were murderers. They were harsh, and they were ruthless. You know how sometimes our past is so sordid, it's so difficult, we put a, made horrible decisions and everything, and, and sometimes we look back and go, oh, that was just great, because we forget all the bad stuff that happened. Well, what Israel really rejected, the bottom line was they rejected their walk of faith. And so they don't want to deal with it. They wanted things to be easy. Sometimes we... We disobey God because we're like, I just want it to be easy now. And we think the ways of the world are easier, but they never are. They might initially look like it, but once we walk in that way, apart from God, we're like, this is horrible. They didn't want to walk by faith. They said, let us select a leader and return to 
and return to Egypt. So the people didn't want God's leaders. They didn't want to enter God's land. They were in limbo and so miserable. See, this decision, it wasn't led by God. It was all man-centered. It was egocentric. And they said, let us, let us select. Let us select in verse 4. This is the same mistake they made about going in and spying out the land. As believers, we're not to select anything. You know, it's the Lord who selects what we are to do and where we are to go. And it's our job to say, okay, God, <laughs> like, yes, God. That, you know, it sounds, it sounds difficult, but okay, I'm going to do that. Jim Elliott was a faithful missionary who, who was killed by the very tribe he was sharing the gospel with. He said, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. And so it is the Lord who is our travel guide on this earth. He's our guide. He's our leader. Like wherever God has you now, whatever he is doing in your life locationally and spiritually, be all there. Give your all where he has placed you. You know, the Christian life is not about liberties. It's about obedience. And I love what... uh, Leonard Ravenhill said, he said, maturity comes from obedience, not necessarily from age, right? Yes, respect your elders, but really, maturity comes from obedience. The crowd was continually feeding off of each other, and it kept getting worse because the people weren't, weren't God-centered. They were man-centered because of the phrase they used, let us select. No, let God select. Let him choose, right? Let him lead you. And so in verse 5, it says, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And so here we see that the reaction of the godly against the rebellion of the people. So Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. They didn't trip. They, they laid prostrate on the dirt, and they prayed, and they cried out for the people, something that they would continually do. And the crowd was crying amongst themselves and against God and his leaders. And God's leaders were crying out to God for intercession for the people, for the very people that were complaining. So the two oldest guys, the two old timers, Moses and Aaron, they prayed for the people. And the younger two, Joshua and Caleb, attempted to persuade the people. These guys tore their clothes, which basically demonstrates like, mourning or grief in a certain situation. And they reminded the people about the faithfulness of God, saying, the land is exceedingly good. It's just how God said it was. Let's go get it. The spies were in the land, looking at the land. So they saw and recognized it was good, but they focused on the obstacles over God's promises of victory. And that's the issue with focusing on the obstacles. We can recognize, yeah, that's an obstacle. That looks difficult. But I'm not going to sit there and dwell on it. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm not just going to let it bring me down and get me discouraged because there's always going to be obstacles in life. There's always going to be difficulties. There's always going to be, you know, rough roads that we have to to navigate down. But the good thing is God is leading us. He's guiding us. He'll get us through every rough road that we face. 
Joshua and Caleb, they were young. They were full of faith. <laughs> and so they said to the people, only do not rebel against the Lord. They got obedience. They understood. Don't rebel against him, nor fear the people. The Lord's with us. We're trying to encourage these guys. Essentially, these two were asking the people on a large scale, kind of like, just repent. <laughs> repent of your disobedience. Just follow God. Don't rebel. Turn from your faithless ways and turn towards the Lord. And so what happened after Moses and Aaron prayed for the people and Joshua and Caleb pleaded with the people is the crowd wanted to kill all four of these guys. They wanted to kill these faithful men who followed the Lord. After all that, they're like, verse 10, let's read verse 10. It says, And all the congregation said, To stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared to the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. So here are a couple of responses of appeal of Joshua and Caleb. Carnality leads to rebellion and anger against the faith. They wanted to kill Joshua and Caleb, right, for calling them to forsake their unbelief. And this is, this is a difficult thing. Talking to a backsliding believer who's rebelling against God, and then they just don't want to listen. It's hard. You've got to pray. They have hard hearts. They're like, I don't want to hear it. Like, they're convicted because you have a Bible. They're convicted because you ask them to pray for them. They're convicted because you say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Oh, my. No, 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 no. I don't want any of that because they're in the darkness, right? They're backslidden. They don't want to come home yet, right? They're not willing. Getting convicted because maybe you call out their sin. But, but even when we do that in love, sometimes there's backlash because the person, again, is not willing to actually repent. They're like, no, I want to stay where I am right now, even though they're miserable. They trick themselves. They suppress the truth and the righteousness. They think, oh, this is just better. It's not. It's, not, it's never better. When a person's caught up in transgressions, which means willing sins, then any talk of church, scripture, faith might make them like cringe. Right? And so this is an intense scene here, right? I mean, the congregation, Moses and Aaron just wanted to help. They wanted to help the people. Wanted to help them have confidence in the Lord. Like, just believe his promises. Don't, don't disobey, right? They weren't trying to lecture them. They, were, they truly believe this. And what, what do they get for it? They, they get murder threats. <laughs> they, they go, yeah, we're going to um, kill them now. So it's difficult. I mean, we, we, we get pushback for living for the Lord, right? Now, in this country, we probably won't get killed. But, um, but there can be other things that can come against us, right? Ridiculed, mocked different things like that. But when we have confidence in Christ, nothing's going to stop us from fulfilling his calling. Right? I, I know countless stories and, uh, and testimonies of uh, missionaries and people that are going to do radical works for the Lord. And I just actually, I just met a couple in New Mexico. They came on through. They have a sprinter van and they, they sold their house. They sold everything they had. And so they just had the sprinter van. And they go around to different Calvary chapels and churches and teach the ministry workers, like the teachers. They have a bunch of different classes they teach and everything, husband and wife. And so I was talking to the husband. I was like, wow, that's so cool. I love that ministry. You know? And then when they come through here, I think uh, next year, 2024, uh, they're really busy. They're really in need, actually. But when they come through here, they're going to stop by and, and train our people. But I was like, so I know everything is in your sprinter van. Like, so where are the rest of, do you have the rest of your possessions like, you know, in storage or something? They're like, He's like, no, this is, this is it. I was like, so everything that you own is in the sprint van. He's like, yeah. I was like, so you have no, nothing anywhere. I was like, kind of like blown away because I was like, this is all they have. All their possession, everything they own is right here in this sprinter van. 
And um, they're like, yeah, when we go to town, we have these little like electric scooter, scooters too. We bring out, we can go from place to place. I was like, wow, that's crazy. I, I thought it was so inspiring. I, it was so inspiring. It was such a blessing. And, uh, and because of that, I was, I was just moved by their faith to just sell everything. And their family going, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, their, their in-laws going, are you crazy? But man, they're, they're so busy equipping children's ministry leaders in different churches all around the country. And it's like, the Lord called them to do that. And some people don't agree with it. They're not going to be like, oh, you don't agree with me? Oh, okay, you know, I'm going to sell the van and we're going to buy a house and just settle down. No, they're not going to do that. They're going to do what God wanted them to do. No matter what the opinions, come, you know, come their way. It's kind of like when, uh, when, I, when I finished high school and I got a job and everything and I was a little bit out of trouble before I, was, uh, before I gave my life to the Lord, uh, my dad's like, finish school, finish school, and it just it so annoyed me because I'm like, I don't want to finish school. I just want to work. <laughs> like, I just want to work hard, you know? But later down the road, four years down the road in my 20s, I, I wanted to be a teacher, so I was like, I'm going to finish school now on my terms because, like, now I need a degree to be a history teacher, right? And so I, I did that, right? And then God obviously called me to totally, totally something different, but it's like we need to be called, we need to let the Lord lead. It's kind of like this. Like, so someone asked three, I, I heard the story, I read the story earlier today. Someone asked three um, bricklayers, like builders, what are you doing? And the first one was like, I, I'm just laying bricks. And then the second one was like, well, I'm building the church. The third one was like, well, I'm building the house of God so we can worship in it. And so the first one was talking about a job. The second one, a career. But the third one, a calling. And so we all have a calling. And no one can tell us or discourage us or try to stop us from fulfilling that calling. If God's called you to do it, no one can change your mind. You're like, I know that you don't want me to do this, but if I don't do this, this is disobedience against the Lord, and that's the worst place to be, right? So whatever God's called you to do, go full steam ahead to do and fulfill that calling from vision to fruition, right? He gives you a vision. He gives you a promise, and then you see it come to fruition as you just follow the Lord. And so these, these guys were called to go in the land, but man, they let unbelief, they let fear, they let obstacles that they saw in front of them stop them. I just don't ever let obstacles, I mean, I know, I know too many believers of the last 18, 19 years who are not fulfilling their calling because they really believe God's called them to something, but they're staying stationary. They're not doing what he's called them to do. And they just waver, and they're questioning, and they're, and they're constantly like doubting and and it's like, if he called you to do that, what's stopping you? Well, finance is a whole list, right? Here's a list of what's stopping me, right? But God said to go, right? Yeah. So burn that list. Like, if God said to go and do that, do that. If God said to stay where, where you are right now and do this ministry or reach out to these people at your work or family or whatever, then nothing should stop you. We should have such confidence in the Lord because he's faithful. God is faithful. He's always faithful. Yeah, there's always going to be obstacles, and the enemy's going to be like, oh, no, I'm, you're not going to do that. I'm going to stop you for sure. But you know what? We, don't <laughs> we, we, we resist the devil, and he will flee from us, right? We follow the Lord. The Lord is good. He's faithful. And so here's what it says, and this is interesting because it says in verse 10, the glory of the Lord appeared. Now, usually when we think of that, we're like, glory, you know, this is praise the Lord. Now, glory here is not in the positive sense. 
Okay, like the Lord in his glory is loving, but he, here he was ready to judge and take out the people, which we're going to see next week. But, but God's justice is, is perfect. He is completely like just in all his judgment. So when it comes to the life of faith, doing what he says is always the right thing to do. It, it's, always, it's not like, you know what, God said to do that, but I don't, mm-mm. We don't want to go too slow and hesitate when God says go, and, and we don't want to go and be rash and get ahead of the Lord either, right? He goes before us. There's a reason why the Bible says he goes before us, because we follow him, right? We go behind and go, okay, Lord, where do you want? I'm going to be in lockstep with you. That way, which way? Wait? Okay, I'm going to wait right here. I'm going to be faithful right here where I'm at, and then when you want me to take a step, I'll take a step of faith. And when he, he does that, when you do that, doors open up, right? Like the water recedes, the water parts, and it's like, now I see. If you never took that step of faith, you would not see the faithfulness of God. You'd just be sitting there idle, unhappy, not in a good place, right? So I would just say this. Find out God's will, and maybe you know it. Maybe you're living in it. Praise the Lord. But find out God's will, live out God's will, and then give God glory that he equipped you to do his will. Because he will equip you for every little thing that he wants us to do. He's not going to just be like, well, good luck. You don't have any of the tools or strength or anything or wisdom, but just try it anyway. No, he's going to equip you for that next step. He's going to prepare you right now for what he has for you tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. He's always working on our hearts, always preparing us for that next thing. And so he is faithful. Unfortunately, the crowd didn't think so, right? They, they let what they saw freak them out, right? And I would just say, don't fear don't walk by sight, right? The Bible clearly says to walk by faith, which means you don't know the full story, but you're willing to take those steps of faith towards the calling God has for you, towards the plan he has for you, from season to season, from chapter to chapter, from day to day. Follow the Lord. Obey the Lord. This is all about obedience, right? Being God-led, not self-led. 